Before we get started, if you need to improve your donor communication so that you can raise more money, be more memorable, and build stronger relationships with your donors so they stay connected and keep on giving, go to 5minutefundraisingfix.com. That's the number 5minutefundraisingfix.com. We've used the pandemic to put together three short videos to help you create a clear and compelling message that moves donors to action. It's short, practical advice that has the power to make a huge difference in your fundraising. And it's completely free. Costs you nothing. Just go to 5minutefundraisingfix.com. All right, let's get started. Helping nonprofit marketers, fundraisers, and leaders like you grow their revenue and impact so they can do more good in the world. This is the Build Good Podcast. Now here's your host, Mike Dirksen. Well, hello and thank you for joining me on the Build Good Podcast. This is the show for people like you who work hard to build a better world for all of us. Today's show is a solo cast. There is no guest. I'll just be chatting with you today. And every now and again, it's just going to be you, the listener, and I hanging out and talking about something that is super important for your organization and your fundraising. Now, today, I want to talk to you about an exercise that we've been advising organizations to go through, and that is to create a concrete and simple and clear strategy for how you will survive the next 12 months and how you can position yourself for growth coming out of this pandemic. Now, most of the time, if we're honest with ourselves, when we use the word strategy, we just mean what we're going to do next. So I want you to consider creating a simple plan for what you are going to do next. In fact, I want you to consider creating five mini plans, okay? Five mini plans that you can brainstorm with your team today, put down on a piece of paper today, and start executing tomorrow. Now, each of these plans is designed to really help your cash flow during the global recession we're about to enter, but also to protect your nonprofit against future volatility, to stabilize your revenue, and to start building a fundraising engine that can produce somewhat predictable fundraising success. And the reason these five mini plans are so important right now is that some organizations are waiting for quote-unquote normal to return, so they can go back to doing all the things they've had to suspend because of the coronavirus. They're waiting for normal to return so they can go back to execute on their five-year strategic plan, so they can go back to organizing galas and events and and major donor visits and field visits and golf tournaments and face-to-face fundraising. But I just feel so strongly about this that if that's the approach that you want to take to simply ride it out until normal returns, you're going to regret not having used this time differently. And I know that until now, you may have been in survival mode. But now that we've had five months to get over the initial shock to the system, it's time to start thinking a bit more strategically. And it's time to make a plan for what the next 12 months will look like. And so today, as an exercise, I want you to assume that normal as we know it will not return. That is, today, right now, this is what normal looks like. That normal looks like some parts of your country or your region being fairly open and some being in lockdown because cases are spiking. It means some businesses are operating at full tilt and and others are operating at, at minimum capacity. Some donors are maybe not affected at all and not really worried at all. And 
other donors are sitting at home quarantined and worrying about their health and the health of their loved ones. Because by all measures, it seems like that is going to be our reality. You know, things will slowly improve over time, sure, with, with setbacks and, and spikes of COVID-19 along the way. But even when there is a viable vaccine, we won't just snap back to the way things were overnight. Now, this is going to take time, and we don't actually know how long it will take. So I want you to temporarily forget about your three-year plan or your five-year plan, and I want you to create a strategy only for the next 12 months by coming up with five mini plans and then acting on those plans. And along the way, you know, as things change, you'll, you'll keep tweaking these mini plans until one day there is enough certainty that you can start creating a long-term strategy again. All right? So here's five mini plans your nonprofit should create. Now, the first plan I want you to make is a plan for how you are going to be there for the donors who are there for you right now. How are you going to show up for the people that showed up for you during this time? That's where you should start. Because the donors who came to your side during this time, and in a time where, where, keep in mind, they were not sure about their own financial future. Those donors are true believers in your cause. When you are too tired to run, they will run for you. When, when you need help, they will be by your side. If you appreciate them for the amazing people they are, these donors will move mountains for you. These are the donors that express their identity by being uh, a defender of the poor, a lover of animals, a climate change activist, an educator of children. They don't give to you because you are doing good work. They give to you because they want to do good work. It's part of who they are. It's part of what they believe and what they stand for. And years from now, you know, even one year from now, chances are they won't remember how much money they gave to you during the coronavirus pandemic, but they'll remember how you treated them. Your donors won't remember how much money they gave to you, but they'll remember how you treated them. So make a plan to show up for them in the same way they showed up for you. If you haven't already, give them a call, thank them, even if you've thanked them already. Send them a short video from your phone. Invite them to a group Zoom call with other donors. Send them a short letter with an update on their gift. And include a few pictures. You know, we're already planning to remind donors in March and April of next year that it's their coronavirus giving anniversary. You know, when the world seemed dark, you let your light shine. You stepped up to help when the future was uncertain and bleak. You didn't stand on the sidelines. You said, yes, I'll help. Thank you. How kind and caring of you. You, know, you need to make a plan for how you will thank and appreciate and celebrate your donor's generosity during this unique moment in time. Number two is you need a plan for how you're going to acquire new donors in the next 12 months. If you haven't already listened to episode 13 with Tim Kirsten on why you shouldn't cut donor acquisition... I want to encourage you to invest some time and listen to that conversation closely. Donor acquisition without events, without third-party events, without face-to-face -face fundraising, it's a challenge for many organizations right now. And if you're facing some budget cuts already, donor acquisition is by far the easiest to eliminate because it's expensive and in the short term, it's not profitable. 
So if this keeps you up at night and you're tempted to just put the brakes on acquisition for a while, you're not alone. But stopping acquisition is a mistake. And you'll regret it sooner than you might think. Because here's what happens when you stop acquisition. You'll save money up front. You'll have more net revenue and things look great. But after 12 months, as some of your current donor file starts to lapse, your appeals won't perform as well anymore. You'll have a vacuum in your donor file. Your pool of monthly donors will shrink. Your pool of donors who can upgrade their gifts will shrink. Your middle and major donor prospect file will shrink and you won't have as many bequests coming in for years to come. And even though you've only cut acquisition for, you know, maybe 12 to 18 months, it will take you twice that time or longer just to make up for it. And you'll be years behind. Now, I realize donor acquisition is going to be harder this year. And you might not be able to acquire as many donors as before. Although some organizations have actually acquired lots of new donors because of the coronavirus. But Make a plan for how you will get new donors in the door this year. Look at your retention rate. You know, if it's 50% and you have 1,000 donors, you know, at the very least, you need to make a plan for how you will get 500 new donors this year. And that's just to stay even, right? That's the bare minimum that you need to do. So brainstorm with your team. You know, how can we acquire new donors? If we can't have our donors invite their friends to a gala, for example, how can we create an experience where our donors can still involve their friends? One faith-based organization that we work with is actually offering churches to design a virtual Sunday morning for them at no cost to the church. It's a turnkey experience, and church members can sign up to get a box sent to their front door with resources to follow along and activities for the kids, And that's how they're growing their list and growing their relationships with the churches that support them already. That's just one idea, right? So make a plan for how you will acquire donors in the next 12 months. And chances are you're going to have to try something new. But try. You'll regret not trying a lot more than trying something that doesn't work. All right, so you've made a plan for how to show up for your donors who showed up for you in a time of crisis And you've made a mini plan for how to acquire new donors. Now you need to make a plan for how to keep the new donors you've acquired. And so the third mini plan you have to make is how are you going to keep the new donors you've acquired? And if you've been at this for a little while, you'll know all about the economics of donor retention. You don't need me to remind you that donor retention should be your key priority in your fundraising. And it should be your key priority for, for two reasons. Number one, it's, it's just the right thing to do. Treat your donors well. You've invited them into a relationship, so don't ignore them now that they've taken you up on that offer. Don't go silent on them. Don't treat them like they're any other generic person, right? That's just, that's just rude and disrespectful. Treat your donors well. Love your donors. Number two is you should focus on keeping your donors happy because it's the smart business decision. Frankly, treat your donors well because that's how you raise more money. Now, keeping a donor is a lot cheaper and easier and more profitable than acquiring a new one. And remember that the donor you already have is far more valuable than the donor you hope to acquire. The donor you already have is far more valuable to your organization than the donor you hope to acquire. 
And success in fundraising always comes from donor loyalty. The longer donor stays with you, the more valuable they become to your organization. And the donors you keep are more valuable than ever right now. Giving in Canada and the US and, and elsewhere has for decades been a fixed percentage of the GDP. And we're now starting to see that the GDP will shrink quite a bit before the year is over. And that means the loss of thousands of donors. So hold on to the ones you have. And if you don't already have a plan for how to get a second gift from the donors you've acquired, the truth is that you're a little bit behind, but it's not too late. Start right now. Make sure you've thanked your donors profusely, reported back on what their gift did, and then give them another offer to make a meaningful difference right now and to help out. Now, you might be tempted to rest your new donors for a bit. You might think, you know, they don't want to hear from me for a bit. But your best chance at keeping a donor is to thank and report quickly, give them a quick win, make sure they feel amazing about their gift and the difference they've made, and then challenge them to give again to solve a real and urgent problem. And along the way, watch your second gift conversion rate closely, right? Now, the two key metrics you should be following closely is your attention rate, which is how many donors are staying with you, and the second gift conversion rate, which is how many new donors are making a second gift. Which brings us to the mini plan number four that you should be creating right now. Now that you have kept your donors, how are you going to convert your active donors into monthly donors? Now, this goes hand in hand with keeping your donors. If you want to be prepared for any future volatility, invest in your monthly giving program now. It's the easiest way to boost your donor retention rate, to maximize your donor's lifetime value, and to know how much stable and almost guaranteed income you can rely on every single month. Recurring donors actually have a lifetime value five times greater than a one-time donor. And if you can create a valuable offer for your donors to join as a monthly giver, you can continually upgrade new donors to join your monthly giving program, you will achieve predictable fundraising success. And you'll be much better positioned to withstand the next crisis that may come from out of nowhere because you'll have a core group of committed donors by your side. So make a mini plan to look at your donor file. Take anyone who's donated uh, more than two times in the last 18 months. Now, that's a good starting point. You may want to um, refine that a little bit more. And then create a valuable monthly offer for them if you haven't already. And by the way, even if you have a set monthly giving program already, I don't think it's a bad idea to create a separate offer right now. And maybe ask your donors to commit for the next 12 months for a special coronavirus offer. And, you know, after those 12 months, if you've stewarded them well, your chances are high that they'll actually stick with you. But framing it as a special offer for 12 months with the option to cancel at any time, of course, can be a good idea right now. You know, it might be a more manageable offer for the donor than a recurring offer with no set end date, you know, with a long commitment like sponsoring a child all the way through school. Which brings me to the last mini plan you need to create. And monthly donors are among the best prospects for this plan. And that is, how are you going to encourage your donors to leave a gift in their will? 
So you've acquired a new donor. You've focused on treating them really well and getting a second gift. You've built a fantastic monthly giving option for them that they love being a part of and that makes them feel good about the kind of person they are. Now you need a mini plan for how you'll remind and encourage them to leave you a gift in their will. And this is really the end game of fundraising. This is the largest gift your donor will leave your organization. This is their legacy. It's your donor's values and beliefs living on even after they're gone. And the real value in fundraising, the real predictable fundraising success comes from legacies over time. And you might be thinking that a pandemic is a horrible time to talk about death and legacies, but that's not the case, right? In Canada and the US and even the UK, the amount of people creating a will in the last five months has increased significantly. The pandemic has actually given people a chance to pause reflect on what's important and make decisions about how they want to be remembered and what values are important to them, values that they want their children and their family to remember for a long time. And the benefit to your organization, and this sounds a little crude, is that people die reliably, with or without a pandemic. We all have a finite time on this earth, and we can't take our wealth with us. So if you have a strong legacy program in place, you can expect a consistent and somewhat predictable flow of legacy gifts for decades to come. And now is a fantastic time to start or to tweak or to invest in a legacy program. And the easiest way to start is by simply reminding donors in all of your communications that they can leave a gift in their will. Remind them of the option. Now, nobody will, will rush out to change their will because of it. But next time they make or change a will, you want to be top of mind. So remind them gently, softly, continually that they can leave a legacy by making a gift in their will. And that's it. It's one sentence that can make a big difference. It's a low barrier to entry and it can help you start today. Well, that's all for today. Just to recap, the five mini plans that you should be creating right now are number one, how are you going to show up for your donors who showed up for you right now? Number two, how are you going to acquire new donors? Number three, how are you going to keep those donors and get a second gift? Number four, how are you going to convert your active donors into monthly givers? And lastly, number five, how are you going to encourage your donors to leave a legacy, to leave a gift in their will? So here's my encouragement to you. Get your team together. Pull out a whiteboard, or if you are meeting on Zoom, a blank Word doc. Just create five columns, one for each mini plan. And then brainstorm as many bullet points for each plan as possible. And then just select the top three bullet points for each mini plan. And that's it. That becomes your strategy. On one page, five mini plans with three bullet points for each. And then do something about it. And remember, this is only for the next 12 months. Plans change. That's okay. But do something. Even if it's new and unproven for you, even if it fails... You know, you'll never regret trying something new during the time of COVID. 
because action yields information. Even if that information is that, hey, this approach doesn't work. But inaction doesn't yield anything. Waiting for normal to return doesn't yield any information. You're not getting smarter. All you're doing is losing time and opportunity. And your beneficiaries and your mission can't afford that. You know, there's an old popular Chinese proverb um, that says the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the second best time is now. I'm sure you've heard it. And it's true. If you did some of these things consistently for the last 20 years, you know, you would be in a very enviable position right now. And maybe you are. But if you didn't, today is the next best day to start. So start. I want to thank you for listening to the Build Good Podcast brought to you by Build Good and 5MinuteFundraisingFix.com. Before I log off, please remember you were made for these times. You've got this. You're resilient and creative. And the world desperately needs go-getters and go-givers like you right now. So hang in there. I'm your host, Mike Dirksen, cheering you on as you build good in the world.